question your assumptions. The thing about assumptions is that they're insidious. We don't know we're making them. And to the person who makes them, they seem completely obvious. And to the person who doesn't make the same assumptions, they seem completely ridiculous. But we never question them. When two people argue, the, they assume that the argument is about facts. If I get these facts over to this other person, they're going to come around to my way of thinking. Well, it never happens, or very rarely does it happen like that. Because usually the two people are making different assumptions. If we go back a few hundred years, 15th, 14th century, and maybe a bit earlier, when religion, or what passed for religion in those days, tended to rule uh, most countries, in the West, there was a punishment that was given out to criminals where they would be hung or, or, and they would be severely tortured before they were killed. Now, to us in the West, this seems completely absurd. Why would you torture somebody before you, you kill them? The assumption we make in the West that this was purely out of a perverse uh, sadism, a feeling of revenge, and the assumption is, is that in this day and age we've moved beyond that and we're more sophisticated. But if you assume that this world is really just a passing through, that we came, our souls came from somewhere, we are on earth for a particular reason, and then we move on somewhere, then the assumption is that we punish the soul in this life in order to help them in the next. It's not about facts, it's about assumptions. So these same assumptions underlie a lot of uh, controversy that we have nowadays about the death penalty, abortion, how we deal with criminals, drug taking, sex before marriage, and so on and so on. The West has moved away from religion and moved to what they call science. But science really has just become a new religion. It makes certain assumptions. You see, when people say that something is scientific or unscientific, this can mean a number of things. It may mean that whatever they're talking about has been scientifically tested in an objective peer-reviewed journals and so on. It may mean that it hasn't been tested at all, the science hasn't even looked at it, and this is often used as an argument for saying something's unscientific. Or it may mean that the majority of scientists would uh, dismiss or condemn this particular point of view. Very rarely when people talk about something as being scientific or unscientific, 
are they prepared to say what they actually mean? It's usually used just as a throwaway argument. And often what's called science is used uh, to replace rational thinking and common sense. Now science, when it's done properly, and it's not usually done properly, but when it is done properly, makes a number of assumptions about the world. And I've pointed out in previous podcasts that it assumes a three-and-a-half-dimensional universe, that is, the three spatial dimensions, and that the dimension of time is only conceivable in one direction, that there's cause and effect, and that we can always work out the effect from the cause. We know from something called the Heisenberg's Uncertainty Principle that the universe is not deterministic. In other words, you can't always get a cause from an effect. And when we get down to this level, science gets back to something they call chance, probabilities. So at the quantum level, they say quantum gets down to probabilities. When people talk about the Darwinianist interpretation or understanding of evolution, they talk about random mutations, chance. Now, if we understand something, we can explain causality. We can, in a scientific way, explain why such and such happens. So if I drop uh, a wine glass onto a hard, tiled surface, I can predict with a high degree of certainty that that glass is going to break. Sometimes it doesn't, though. Sometimes things happen that don't fit in with our deterministic universe. We can make assumptions, and we can sometimes using just common sense. It's not, it's not science, you know. We don't need science to work out that a glass is going to break when we drop it onto a tiled surface. It's just common sense and experience that tells us this. But if we don't understand something, we have no idea about it, then we're down to probability and chance. Now, most of what passes as medical understanding it's not real understanding. It's like working on a black box. It's like they give a drug and they look at the outward effects of that drug and from that they make assumptions about things and they determine whether the drug works or not. Now this is particularly true when we look at things like antidepressants. The assumption of, of some antidepressants that is based on the degree of neurotransmitters in the brain and the balance of neurotransmitters in the brain is completely, and it's been proved to be completely wrong, it's been proved to be wrong scientifically. But of course there's money involved, huge amounts of money in antidepressants. So nobody's going to go back and withdraw them unless they're forced to by the FTA or some other organisation. When meta-studies have been done of, new, of uh, antidepressants, they've been found to be no better than placebos, which 
and you've got to understand this, it doesn't mean that the drugs don't do anything. It means that what they do may be better, it may be worse. And the overall effect is no better than the placebo. And the effect of placebos I'm going to talk about in, a, in another podcast, because that's absolutely fascinating. And they have very good effect, particularly with uh, antidepressants. But when scientists talk about chance, luck and probability, as they do with quantum mechanics, as they do, as I say, with Darwinianism, what they're really saying is they don't know, they don't understand. And the irony here is that if you try to give some deterministic factor, and there's a lot of work done in how the mind can influence so-called random chance and so on um, the scientists will get quite upset about this it's attacking their basic premise of their understanding of the world they assume this three-dimensional or three-and-a-half-dimensional universe and they're not going to take very kindly to somebody who questions that so let's look at some of the assumptions that science makes it assumes repeatability now this is a cornerstone of science that if you do an experiment and you repeat the experiment you're going to get the same results now we know of course that that's not always the case for instance let's assume that we did an experiment to find the boiling point of water and we found that it boiled at 100 degrees centigrade but then we go up a mountain and we boil it again we repeat the experiment and we find, no, it doesn't. It boils at, um, I don't know, 99, 98 degrees, whatever. And so we look at the differences. But when we look at the differences, in this case, we can look at uh, altitude. We're making certain assumptions about what's relevant and what, what isn't. If we found we got certain results around a full moon that were different to a new moon, then this wouldn't go down very well in the scientific community. Because of the assumptions. The assumption is that the phase of the moon doesn't affect outcomes. And we talked before about, or talked before about astrology and um, the effects. It's not the cause and effect. It's not the effect of the position of the planets that gives rise to a cause. It's the synchronicity of the universe and the patterns of the universe that give rise to different behaviours. When people, when scientists test out uh, antidepressants of course there are so many variables and the whole thing is hit and miss they you know they try one thing and then that doesn't work they try another until they get something that they consider to be the results they want by looking at the externals and talking to people it's it doesn't really bear much resemblance to even to the scientific practice of uh, repeatability but repeatability is assumed to be something that's the basis of science there's also peer review in other words you put your uh, your results into a journal and then other people of sit who understand the the area of science that you come from will look at it and decide whether what you've done is legitimate or not now you talk to scientists about this and they say yes it's all done according to certain rules and so on now if science was deterministic and it could all be done by certain rules then it would be possible to write a computer program that did exactly what scientists do now of course you can't do that because it's not objective 
it's all down to subjectivity. And if we go back, well, you don't need to go back more than about 30 or 40 years, really, and look at the assumptions that scientists make. They assume, for instance, that homosexuality was a deviancy. Um, and this was in scientific reviews. There's a lot of other scientific stuff that would be um, considered to be, ooh, not just ridiculous, but uh, almost criminal today. Now, of course, the scientists say, yes, you change. This is what scientists and science is about. But if science is about change, then how do we know that in 20, 30 years' time, what we make the assumptions we need to make now in science aren't going to be disproved? The reality is, is that this intellectual calculation is a very cumbersome way of trying to understand the world. We do make certain technological advances, but in overall terms, where does that get us? Are, the, are people happier? Are people more content? Are people leading better lives? I think we can undoubtedly say in every case, or yeah, pretty well in every case, if we look at the whole population, that is not the case. When we look at what makes people happy, it's family, togetherness, communication. And that, that relationship with the ethereal world, with what's beyond us, what's just outside of us. This is why there's anxiety, depression, and so on. And science, they say, oh, it's just a matter of time. Well, we're going to understand these things. Well, this is just another assumption. The assumption that science can solve all our problems. And if it doesn't know them now, that it will in the future. It's an assumption that, of course, is not, uh, you know, people say, well, yes, well, we had these problems in the past that we solved. Therefore, science can solve all problems. It's a logical fallacy. Now, there's an interesting thing here when we talk about logic. And I've mentioned before that logic actually doesn't give us any new information. If we said as a logical premise, that all cats have fur. Now, as a logical premise, you might say, no, it's not. But let's say that as a logical premise, it's premise, we said that all cats have fur. And what I have here, what I'm looking at, is a cat. I can logically say, therefore, what I'm looking at has fur. And this is the basis of, of deductive logic. It doesn't really give us any understanding. It's really a trick of language. It's what we call, it's about what we call cats. It's about the words. It's not really about any new understanding. So when people talk about a logical universe and that everything must fit into logic, no, logic is our way of understanding the world. It's not how the world operates. And in your dreams, the world doesn't follow logic at all in the sense that we, we, we think of it. You know, things change. You're looking at a person, then they change. They change into another thing. One moment you're in one place, the next moment you're somewhere else. Things don't have any, any cause and effect logic about them because our dreams work in analogies and metaphors, which is the basic language of the mind. So the very premise of science, that it's based on logic, and uh, objective understanding is incorrect. I mean, it does, as I say, we do get, it does have its use, science has its use. 
but its use is very limited. And we've turned, or many people have turned science into a religion. And when you talk to atheists, they say, I mean, atheists change their, their you know, what atheists say now is different to what atheists had said even two or three years ago. It changes very rapidly. But the latest thing that you'll see atheists saying is saying, no, atheism is not a belief, it's a non-belief. It's a belief that there isn't a God. Now, this is a cop-out, because if you're going to say, well, there isn't a God, then you're going to say, well, okay, what is the underlying cause behind the world? Why do things happen in the way they do? And in the end, the atheist gets down to this idea that it's chance and probabilities. But that is not a reason. It's a non-reason. It's a saying, oh, we don't understand. Well, if you don't understand, then why can't somebody come in and say, well, this area that you don't understand it, I, I, I'd say that behind it there's something and there's God. You, you can't prove or disprove this scientifically. All you're saying is you don't understand something and then by saying you don't understand it, you say that that's, that's in itself is an understanding. Well, it's not. And of course, the irony here is that when people go back to the time when, when religion ruled, and people used to say, oh, you mustn't use science. Oh, this was the perception that, you know, the religionists would condemn science. Because they say, no, no, you, you, mustn't, you mustn't use that. You have to get down to saying that this is God's will. And science now does the same thing. You can't use God in this argument. You have to say, no, no, it's chance. You mustn't bring God into it. You have to use this. So what's the difference between saying it's chance and saying it's God's will? In release, when you say it's God's will, you're looking at something you can observe, you can take something from this, and that in itself has its own method of understanding it. You, can under, you can't understand God completely. You, the, God is infinite. The finite can't understand the infinite. But there are certain patterns, there are certain rules, there are certain ways that God works in the universe. And these have been, you know, written out in, in a distorted form in the Bible. They've been written out in the Quran. And they're not easy to, well, I say they're not easy to understand. Actually, if you get rid of your assumptions, they can be quite easy to understand. Now, having said we should question our assumptions, there has to be a basis for your way of looking at the world. So science and atheists take as the assumption of the world that it's um, three and a half dimension, that time is the way it is and so on and so on and so on. A religious person takes as the assumption in the world that there is a, a God and um, and if you look at the, say, the monothe monotheistic religions, which are really the only sensible ones, then that God, the God is infinite and he created the, the universe for a particular reason. And we have, to, in order to understand a lot of these questions that atheists ask, why, does, why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there evil in the world and so on and so on? We have to get back to these assumptions and this understanding of why the world was made. So religious people too may make assumptions. Everybody has to make assumptions. But they're different assumptions. And, and of course there are many stories of um, people who are brought up in a religious way who question the assumptions of 
Christianity and moved into atheism. And there are many stories, and I'm one of them, of people who are brought up as atheists and adamantly atheists who then started questioning those assumptions and became religious. You have to have a basis for your understanding. You have to have, you know, certain stakes in the ground. In Islam, there were the five pillars and there were it's laid down certain assumptions. In fact, so far as I know, Islam is the only belief system that I've ever come across that actually marks out, that actually lays down its assumptions. And contrary to the view of atheists, everything outside of that can be questioned. I mean, many religious people don't because religious people in general have an instrumental understanding of religion rather than a relational understanding of religion which I've, I've talked about in the past but I'm going to elaborate on this in more, the next podcast thank you for listening you can contact me by email phil at braham.net you can visit my website podcasts.braham.net I'm on medium look me up phil braham so I look forward to your comments thank you <laughs>